All right. By the way, you can, um, you know, we do have our podcast. You can check that out. And there's a whole lot. Everything that really is ever uh, said up front is pretty much there. Um, you can go back and listen to those. Send them to your friends to listen to, your family, listen to them on the road, whatever. Um, but we're in uh, this series right now, right? Loving Well. And Murphy, you did a great job, by the way. That was yeah. fantastic. I love that. You know, there's, uh, again, what a great way that we can come together and you share your heart. And, and I think all of us are like, yeah, I, I get that, right? I mean, that is, it was real. It was genuine. Thank you. That was fantastic. Awesome. Um, and, and all the pieces that we're learning, uh, we're trying to learn how to love well, right? But here's a statement I'm learning, okay? I am the reason I don't always love well. I'm the reason. Why I don't always love well. And you're the reason why you don't always love well. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind because, boy, I'll tell you what's scary is when philosophies of the world start creeping into Christianity. And, and it's so easy for things to creep in amongst us that, that, that aren't about personal responsibility. That are about shirking that about deflecting responsibility we don't see that in the bible right if we want to love well man we've got to say those words we've got to look ourselves in the eye and go you know who my biggest problem is me i'm my biggest problem okay and i can make a list of all the things that i wish god would change and make my life easier but here's the deal is at the end of the day i am my biggest problem and you're your biggest problem Okay, it's no one else's fault. I love what Murphy said. It's like, I'm not running away because somebody said some knuckleheaded thing because here's the truth. There is not a soul in here that hadn't said something knuckleheaded. Okay, and if your faith is going to be so slim that you're just waiting for somebody to offend you to leave. All right, I love what Murphy says. I'm here to fight for God. I'm not here to go. You know, you're going to say something great. Let's talk it out. All right, I love that. Okay, but we are our worst problems. And if we're going to love well, we've got to be real about that. It is nobody else. You want to know what's another thing that I'm learning? And, and you relearn things, you know that? Old dogs relearn new tricks sometimes, right? I mean, you learn over and over and over again is this idea of, um, is, is uh, gosh, I just totally lost my train of thought. It's, that, it's the old dog part, right? I mean, it's just like, golly, my memory is, is leaving me here. Um, what was I saying? I'm my worst enemy. Patrick is his worst influence on him. You know, but, but the truth of the matter is it is so easy to not take personal responsibility, right? It, it just is. It's, it's too easy to do that and to blame other people and to say, you know, if this situation was better, I'd do better. You know what's funny is, is God doesn't seem to agree with that. Everything I read about God, what he does with his people is like, y'all are going to be refined, Okay. Here's the sad news is when you become a Christian, you're not going to get a luxury car all the time. I can say that with Jacob not being here. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I hope he, oh, we're not on the live stream, so that's good, okay? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but, but, but the truth is, is that um, it, we can pray all we want and, th- and wish that if everything was great, we would do better. And the truth of the matter is we'd still be us. Okay, and, we, and we've got to learn to love well. You know what I really love uh, is, um, have you ever read, how, how many, well, don't raise your hands. How, have, how many of y'all have heard of Ezekiel before? 
Okay, Ezekiel's in the Bible. I don't like how many of y'all read it and you're like, oh man, uh, put you on the spot like that. Okay, I love Ezekiel because um, God did things to him that I'm glad he doesn't do to us today, right? <laughs> he, he told Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do you don't get to preach in front of the people all the time, you're going to act it out. Could you imagine if God said, listen, here's what I want y'all Clemson University students to do. Go on campus and I'm going to give you a little play to act out. And it's going to be what I think about sin on your campus. Okay? And he's done this to other prophets too. You know, Hosea, he's like, hey, I want the world to see what it's like when people don't love me as their spouse, as they're in a faithful reunion. He says, Hosea, go marry a prostitute. Like, where's that in the study series? that ain't no kingdom dating rules right there god says go marry a prostitute right and have children and do it and and god has them act these things out and he tells ezekiel he's like here's what i want you to do i want you to show the people how they should tremble when they eat so you go in the in front of everybody and tremble while you eat and could you imagine not cracking up i mean you're sitting in front of everybody i want you to know what god is saying through this and go lay down for a year and only you know Make your food over a big pile of poo, right? And all that kind of stuff. And luckily he changed that a little bit um, for him. But, but he tells him to act these things out. And it's, I'm glad he, told, he kind of stopped doing that today, okay, which is great. We have the word of God. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is there are plenty of allegories today for us. Okay, I put this up here uh, for a really interesting thing. Is, you know your, you know the, your favorite sound is? What your favorite sound is? I know this about everybody. You know what your favorite sound is? Your name. It is your favorite sound, okay? It is, you, you will take notice. It doesn't matter if you have a, like, like uh, we, were, uh, we were at a Daniel High School football game on Friday night, and there was a football player named Reese, and I, I was standing up watching. Every time they announced a football name uh, named Reese, Reese was like, <laughs> like, that was music to his ears, you know, that he heard his name, okay? And the truth of the matter is, is that's, Mine and yours, and, and you want to know what? That's great, because you should like your name, and, and it's awesome that you know it, and you can respond to it, and all that kind of stuff. But you want to know what? It gets us in trouble, too. It gets us in trouble, and, and, and here's, it's going to get us into this little allegory here. This is a picture, and I thought, you know, this is the allegory of our times. Okay, this is the allegory of our times, is, is I, I'm going to be out, and I'm going to be in this bubble, and man, nobody... Nobody really asked me about the bubble, but then I'm going to be upset if you don't ask me about the bubble. But don't get too close to me, right? But why aren't you getting close to me? And can't you tell there's something wrong with me? And I want more people to say my name, and I want people to notice me, but don't notice me. Right? This is us. This is humanity, right? This is what, when we're in the bubble, and, and this is what can happen, and this is, by the way, this is going to help us love well, Okay? Don't get too close, right? As I said before, we kind of have a double standard is, listen, don't get too close because I'm in this bubble. But when you don't get close, what do we say? Why aren't people close to me? As long as you're most concerned why I have this bubble around me, this is what we want to know. We want people to know that, are you concerned that there's a bubble around me? Like, I'm going to walk around town. I'm going to walk around campus. Are you concerned like, Matt, are you concerned? See this bubble around me? Are you concerned? Brad, are you concerned? Do you see this bubble? Are you concerned? Because that's what I, I'm curious about. I want you to know, are you concerned? But don't ask me about that bubble. But in my mind, I want you to be 
concerned about this. I want you to hear my story. I want you to hear my story. That's important, and your story is important to you, Miss Linda, right? And everyone's story is important to them. And here's the deal is, is okay, here's where we kind of switch, kind of flip the script a little bit here with loving well, okay? Is there anything wrong with our story? Except when it becomes Lord. There's nothing wrong with our story. In fact, you want to know what? It's vital that we know everybody's story. It's vital that we hear those things. But here's what happens sometimes is we've been talking about loving well. And it can be very much about how we interact with one another, like the practicals of that. And that's great. But sometimes we can even walk away going, you know, you know what? Other people don't do that to me. Other people don't love me well. Other people don't do this. Okay. What we're talking about is, is we're, we're kind of getting away from just loving like horizontally me and you. We're talking about our relationship with God in order to love well. So there isn't anything wrong, and I want to be very sensitive about that, because what I'm not saying is that your story doesn't matter. What I'm not saying is is your story shouldn't be heard. What I'm saying is what we end up happening, we ultimatize our story. Like, my story is the most important story. And I'm in this bubble, and I've got this thing around me, because I want everyone to ask me about that. And at the same time, don't ask me about my story. As long as you say things that can't hurt my feelings... Right? I want to be in this bubble, and I want people to talk to me, but just you better not say anything. Everybody, You ever done that before? You have tried so hard to not say the wrong thing. <laughs> you ever done that? How's that go for you? It's enjoyable, isn't it? Ever had that? I mean, listen, we live in that world right now where it's like just on the edge of like, man, I, I would care about every single word that comes out of my mouth, and we need to be mindful. But we've put up boundaries for us that we can't love well. Because we have a standard that isn't, the, that isn't the biblical standard, which is, hey, as long as you say things that don't hurt my feelings, we'll be able to love well. That's unrealistic. Hey, as long as we're out, picture yourself in the bubble and you're walking around. As long as people notice there's something wrong with me, that's a good thing. You ever had that before? Like you're like, I don't want people to know, but I kind of want people to know. That's a good word for it. <laughs> Just sulking. And this is what ends up happening. See, see, here's this is the allegory of it all. Is No, but Jesus is my Lord. But I'm the center of my story. I'm the center of my story, not Jesus. See, and what I do is I walk around and I interact. And I want people to notice there's something wrong with me. But not say anything that can hurt my feelings. That want to hear my story. That are most concerned about why I have the bubble. But they don't want to tell me there's a bubble around me. Like, be very gentle about that. And we're going to be okay as long as you strive your best to understand me. And that my story is your favorite story. We're going to be best friends when that happens. Right? And they may even be kind of tongue-in-cheek there a little bit, but it's not far off. Is this is what happens. This is, this is the allegory of our times. Is I want all this, but I want it all this way. And I want to be noticed, but I don't want to be talked to in a certain way. And I want all these things. And here's... Here's the crazy thing, as long as all those things, and we'll get along fine as long as you meet all that criteria. And here's why. Because our hardship defines us, right? Your hardship defines you. This is what, this is the man in the bubble allegory, is the guy that says, my hardship defines me. Here I am. Don't get too close. 
But I am not defined by Jesus being Lord. I'm defined by my hardship that I want you to not say anything that's going to hurt my feelings, not tell me about the bubble, not do any of those things, but I want you to know my story, that it's your favorite story, and that you don't ever hurt my feelings. It's because my illness is what matters most. And I guess, here's the deal. Let me just share this. Every single person in here, you're going to live long enough, you're going to have an illness. And that illness might be cancer, and that illness might be Lou Gehrig's disease, and that uh, diagnosis might be something else. And here's what I have to say about that. It does not matter most in your life. And, And I understand this can feel like it hurts sometimes, okay? But it isn't the center, believe me. Whatever it is, is not the center of your life. My anxiety is who I am. This is, but here's the deal is, man, anxiety is running rampant. I mean, it's out of control. It's amazing. Like, there's no one not affected. But this is what ends up happening. It's like the reason that I want people to get close but not too close and to say things and all that kind of stuff is because here's the deal is, is I tell myself my anxiety is who I am. My depression is in charge. That, that's my, my, my ambition matters most, right? I mean, doesn't everybody realize that? That you're in college. That's what matters most to everybody else is you and your classes and your test schedule, right? That's what matters most. And you getting good grades. That's what matters most in the story. That our journey matters most. This is what ends up happening. This is us. This, this creeps into the church, is that everything, we've become ultimatized to where it's like, man, everything, but this is what matters most. My journey, my illness, my hardship, my anxiety, all of these things. And my intentions are always good, but we miss things. I want you to ask yourself these questions. Would life be better for you in these cases? Would life be better if others understood you? Would life be better if others knew your story? Would life be better if others empathize with you, encourage you? If they knew how hard you had it, if they knew how bad your luck had been, if they knew how anxious you were, if they knew how much you had overcome, would life be better? Would your spiritual life be better? Here's the truth is, is, is all of these things are, have value. But if your spiritual life would be better, this is the definition of man-centered Christianity. Is once everybody else gets it on straight, I'll do better spiritually. And we've forgotten one thing, right? This is, it's been left out. It's, hold on a minute. You know who the center of our story is? If you're a disciple, you know who the center of your story is? Jesus. It's not the illness. It's not the hardship. It's not the circumstances. It's not if, if something happens to your home or your car. It's not if something happens and you don't feel great. It's not, that doesn't define us. Jesus has to be the center of our story if we're going to love well. It has to be that way. And the truth of the matter is this is harder. This is easier said than done, right? Because here's the thing about it is, is there's one person me and you are going to fight to the death for. Who's that? Right. I mean, it'll be your spouse. It'll be your kids. But I'm going to tell you, there is nothing that will get us more angry, okay, than when somebody marches up to the gate of me, and it's like, I'm going to take you down, buddy. Like, the heck you are. I'm fighting. Okay? And depending on where I am in my faith, I may throw the gloves off. Okay? Because that's what, and that, you want to know what? 
Here's the deal is, 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 is Jesus coming in and saying, you want to know what? You're going to die to live with me. And sometimes we don't like understand that that deeply. We just think it's like a cute thing the Bible says. Like, oh yeah, you know, you die in baptism. When else do we use death that way? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's some people and they just died. Like flippantly, but we do it because it's in the Bible and we think, oh no, but it's just that easy thing. And then what ends up happening is, is we're like, hold on a minute. Let me accept Jesus to join my journey. Let me get baptized so he'll join my story. Because my story, I'm going to still be the center of that story, but I'm going to be able to say all these neat things that are meant to encourage me that deep down don't ever encourage me. And I get really frustrated because I wonder, why am I not joyful? And why am I not more faithful? Because Jesus is along for the ride. He's a part of the story. And he might be a big part of that story. But when he's just a part of the story, there's no faith. There is no Jesus working. That's just like, I've, Jesus, sit back here, okay? And let me figure out a way that I can continue to be the center of my story. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. I, I wonder about this, okay? I wonder about this for a long time, more so in the last couple of weeks. When Jesus came and met with people, do you think he only spoke to people who were absolutely had everything on straight, had no hardship, no circumstantial difficulties, just were, were totally like, uh, you know, employed gainfully, everything was going great, had no bad relationships. Do you think Jesus only spoke to the people that had it on that straight? Right, exactly. We think that. And it's so interesting to me, though, is as Jesus teaches and as the writers write in the New Testament, why don't they stop more to talk about our story? Why don't they do that? It kind of infuriated me the more I studied this out. Because I'm going, hold on a minute, you're asking things and you don't even know anything about me, Paul. <laughs> right? Like, you want me to forgive as I've been forgiven? You don't know my story. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't stop and go, hey, but you know, let me talk to you all 5,000, each and every one of you, so I can understand your story. You want to know why? Because his story matters more. In fact, his story is the only story that matters. And somehow he rolled it out there, and he opened the door for us to get so offended at that man. If he only knew my story. Does he not know that my luck has been bad from the beginning? Does he not understand how hard I try? Does he not understand everything's gone bad for me? Because here's what Jesus, this is what I read over and over again. It's Jesus goes, but see, here's the deal is, is I'm the one that can save everyone. Jesus' story has to matter most. Jesus has to be the center of our story or we will not be able to love well, okay? Let's read in the Bible. There is Bible on this, lots of it. In fact, the whole Bible is, is about this, okay? But here we go, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Okay, that's awesome. You picture that scene? I fooled some of you guys on this already, so you already know. You know, sometimes we picture the scene as like going into Death Valley. Man, and there are, there's the witnesses around there, and they are fired up about me coming on in there. You know, this is what we think this says. 
Well, since we're surrounded by such, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to be like, yeah, they're cheering for me. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Since I'm surrounded by people that are cheering for me. No, 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 no. He says, since there's so many people that have died for Jesus, yeah. and they're witnessing how you're living. <laughs> since there's been so many people, so many people that have died for Jesus, that's what that means. There's nothing about cheering us on, man. Again, when I'm the center of my story, that's what I want. I want people cheering for me. I want that, right? Don't you? I mean, is there, I, I don't even have to ask that question. Would, wouldn't everybody love that? If you woke up every morning and you could visualize 10 million disciples and they're going, yeah, you're awesome, Jordan. You're the best. You can do it. And, and you're like, wow, that's amazing that we think that because that's the complete opposite of what Jesus taught. <laughs> because he's awesome. It's not about making a whole lot out of me. It's making a whole lot out of Jesus, right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing, okay? But we took this verse, and so now let's think about it correctly. Since we have such, since there's been so many literal martyrs is the word. Since there's been so many people that have died for for the faith. You think they had a story? You ever stop to think about their story? Was it just the folks that were just all super fired up and like awesome and had nothing, you know, I mean, just everything was easy for them? Did they have families? Did they have friends? Did they have, they have a story that we oftentimes don't think of. And, and the Hebrew writer doesn't even tell us about it like he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't. Since we are, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, okay? The sin part's easy, right? I mean, you got it. He says, get rid of it, toss it off, stop it. But the ensnared part, or the uh, encumbrance part, this part, let us throw off everything that hinders or every weight. Okay, the word is actually like protuberance, like, like some inco- something like hanging off of you, something that's making it heavy. Like, throw that off. Here, let me tell you what it is. That's me and you. We're toting oftentimes our carcass on our back. And like, no, I'm going to make it through that narrow gate. And it's tiring carrying me. I need to lose about 15 pounds. Okay? Here's the deal is, is throw me off. Because I'm making it hard. All this stuff. I got to throw me away. And I'm going, you know what I hate about that? My story is really good. Some of you have heard it. Isn't it better than yours? (laughs) My story is so good. And there's nothing wrong with your story because it's how God has worked in your life. But it can't be Lord and it can't be center. Right? It can't be what we hang on to and drag through life and go, oh, you know what, though? Man, it was in 2009, my dad had Lou Gehrig's disease and he died. I can carry that around and carry it around like it's the center of a story. Instead of going, you want to know what? It's it's not the center of the story. It's a part of the story, but Jesus is the center. Let us throw everything off, every encumbrance. That's just insensitive, by the way. Because he doesn't even know who you are. Dude doesn't even put his name down when he wrote this book. He's a coward, right? He He didn't say he wrote it. Or she. Maybe she wrote it too, okay? He didn't even say that. And you all know what, Murphy? He didn't know you. 
And, he, and you know what he said to do? You better throw off everything. You too. Don't laugh at her. <laughs> but, but here's the thing is, is if, if we are consistent, we will go, oh, oh, hold on a minute. What? You don't know my story. Or we just blow it off. They don't know my story. I'm keeping my story. Let us lay aside this. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance. Implication. Give me an implication of that. Okay, if you tell somebody, hey, Hayes, you're going to have to run with endurance, okay? It's implying what? Hmm? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get tired. <laughs> right? You're going to have to run with endurance. I don't say that when I go to Publix and you have to wait in line or something. You're going to have to endure there at the self-checkout center or something like that. You're like, come on, man. It, it implies that, you all know what? When we're following Jesus... You go, we are going to have to endure. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. And here's the deal is, is keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Isn't that interesting? He ain't even asked what our story is. Because ultimately he's saying Jesus has to be the center. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, okay? What does that look like? Does it just like look up, right? That's where Jesus is. That's what we do when we sing, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. We're singing a song to Jesus. Look up, because he's up. What do they do on the other hemisphere? <laughs> Just a little thought for you right there, you know? Do they look down? That's sacrilegious. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird, but, but, but what does that look like, okay? And here's the crazy thing is, is the Hebrew writer, this isn't ambiguous. This isn't ambiguous at all. He, he goes back one chapter, which they didn't have chapters, okay? He goes back and he just wrote a whole thing about what it looks like to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. A whole chapter that we love to be, it's the chapter of faith, and we don't equate oftentimes, oh, they had their eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what it means to have your eyes fixed on Jesus, okay? And here's what's crazy. We know all of the Abrahams, Isaacs, Jacobs, Moses. We know all of these things, okay? Was life always good for them? Everything went their way, right? I mean, it was just easy for Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph. It was easy, right? I mean, certainly they did well spiritually. Okay? Man, we know that's not true. Our unrealistic expectations can get us in trouble. Or we go, man, if everything was easier for me because my story, when my story is central, things are never easy for me. Because I'm in the center of my story. And the truth of the matter is, I like comedy movies. I prefer drama when it comes to me. I, I, I am a good drama, Linda. You're laughing at me. <laughs> but I think, man, is it, you put a soundtrack to my story, I feel like it would move people. Okay? We can be dramatic. This is what happened, though, is you had all of these folks here. But here's what I like best. Is down here at the end of chapter 11 is uh, it says this. It says, by faith some, in verse 33, I'm just going to pick up right there. They conquer kingdoms. They administer justice, obtain promises, shut the mouths of lions, quench the raging of fire, escape the edge of the sword, gain strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. I mean, all that sounds great so far. I want to be that guy. Can I be the guy that goes and runs an army off? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Women received their dead. They were raised to life again. 
Some men were tortured. And some people were tortured. Can you imagine knowing this about your brothers and sisters? Our family of faith and seeing someone tortured. Right here he's saying this is what happens when your eyes are fixed on Jesus. These people's eyes were fixed on Jesus. Their story wasn't the center. Because if their story was the center, then I'm not being tortured. Because I'm the center of this beautiful story. And I may not do that. Some were tortured, not accepting release so they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourging as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Wow, man, sign up for the Christian church. <laughs> right there. That's what it looks like when Jesus is, the, is our story. He's the king, the center. It's this idea of, you mean I can get out of jail? No, I'm, get, I'm not getting out of jail. When he's the center of the story, here's the deal is we don't know the rest of their story. And, and honestly, the truth of the matter is we don't care. Because really, I care more about my story. I don't read into the Bible and wonder about their story. Because I want mine to be in the center. And that's where the rubber meets the road is, am I willing to do that? There's been an example here of am I fixing my eyes on Jesus and living faithfully and doing his ministry? And my story can be a part of that, but it can't be the center. It can't be what keeps me going. It can't be what I talk about all the time, right? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And here's really the thing about it is, is why any of this matters. Okay, first of all is this is, we can fall into this navel-gazing, right? There's this idea of it's, we, we are looking so inward all the time. I've, I've been walking around. As some of you knew, I fell on campus down a flight of stairs. That was <laughs> humiliating, but <laughs> I didn't hurt anything. I may have hurt something, but my embarrassment covered all sin and all pain right there, okay? Uh, yeah, right there on the bridge going by the library, and I went down the stairs and, and fell. <laughs> fell down the stairs, and the whole place is packed. Yes, that's why I went down the stairs. There's too many people. But I digress. <laughs> okay. Right. Here's what I've, I noticed, though. Um, everywhere I'm walking around, I've paid more attention to it walking around on campus, is no one notices anyone. I mean, the truth of the matter is I fell down the, the stairs, and I don't even know if 95% of the people even knew it, except the girl that got my phone out of the bushes <laughs> apparently I slung it pretty far <laughs> oh my goodness but the but but the truth of the matter is is, is uh I, as I walk through I try to make eye contact with everyone like I want to make eye contact with everybody that I that I'm around. If I'm sitting in Starbucks, I want to greet the person sitting in the table next to me. Uh, if I'm walking somewhere, I want to like say hello. If you walk by, I want to notice. And here's what's fascinating is no one notices. No one notices. No one lifts their chin up. No, no one looks around. Because the truth of the matter is, is me and you are, are what's constantly going through our mind and, and our messages and our texting and our life and what's coming up next. And everything governs that. 
And that's really the tragedy of this. We can't love well if we don't raise our chin and notice what's around us and who's around us. Right? I, I, you want to talk about, I, let me give you another swing and a miss. I've had a couple of weeks on campus, man. You want to talk about just a whiff on campus, okay? Is uh, falling down the stairs was humiliating, okay? Last week, and this was, I was walking, and I, and I, and, and I hadn't done this in a long time, but I started, I said, okay, God, show me someone in need, but here's how I want to know. I want them to wear a shirt that says California on it. Like, that's how I know, because we're in Clemson. Like, nobody wears shirts with California necessarily on. Like, I want that to be the person. And I no longer, the words came out of my mouth, and this girl walked by me, and she was wearing a Yosemite California shirt. Okay, and it was huge and ugly, okay? But you could not miss it. It was like practically blinking California, right? And I, and I walked past her, and I was just like bamboozled that it happened that quickly, right? And, wow I'm, I'm like no that can't be it that's from satan and i mean all of these things were going through my mind it was the it was the weirdest thing but the thing about this is 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 i got here's the thing that happened is is i got caught up just in my own head and all this kind of stuff and we were walking there's that amphitheater so i'm kind of like walking up the hill and she's walking the other way and i turn around and she's like 50 yards away and she stops and she turns and looks at me and then she turns and get, keeps walking and I'm going, okay, I feel horrible, but I've got to go find her, okay? A 44-year-old man, okay, following an 18-year-old through campus, okay? That was not a great thing, okay? And I'm just like, okay, I'm, this is not going to be weird and all that kind of stuff. And then she jammed on into a dorm, and I'm like, whew, okay, this is great. But, but here's the truth of the matter is, is, is I instantly just went inward. I instantly just started thinking and analyzing and all this kind of stuff. And if I just would have lifted up my head like I did, and there it was right in front of me. Okay? And this is what happens. And, and this is, if we're going to love well, our chin has to be up. It just has to be, okay? And there's really, there's really a few things here. Is, you want to know what? When we're kind of the bubble person and when our story is center, and we want everybody else to understand us, we want everybody else to know our story and to treat us accordingly. When we're that person, you want to know what? We're not resilient. We're brittle. Okay, and I'm saying that out of experience. I'm not saying that just out of like, hey, I read that in some psychology book somewhere. Okay, that's experiential. The more I'm about me, the more I'm about others being about me, the more I'm about others understanding, being compassionate and empathetic. And all that stuff is great, okay? But here's the deal is, and all that stuff is commanded of by Jesus, but I don't get to control how people do that. You see where I'm coming from? I don't get to control any of that. But the more I get caught up in it, I get less resilient. That was awesome in the hurricanes, right? Do you ever see that when a hurricane comes through South Florida? You know what doesn't go down? The palm trees. <laughs> They've been there for a long time because they're built for this, man. I mean, they're resilient. We've got to be this way, but it's only when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Then we're resilient and not brittle and not offended and not all of these things, right? Is, man, you know what we can't do is we can't, when we're the center, when we're the most important person, we don't die to ourselves. Um, I, I knew a family, me and Abby knew a family that um, their little girl was killed in a car accident in their freshman year of college. And so she would be my age. Their daughter would be my age, actually. So it's been, you know, 18 into 44 whatever was that 26 years or something so 
Um, and they became disciples, but, it, but here's what they were saying is we all got together and studied the Bible. Um, she said, I, I, can't, I can't become a disciple because I didn't teach my daughter how to become a disciple. And, and she was just overrun by guilt and mourning. And she had never stopped mourning. For 17 years, she mourned and mourned and mourned. And that's what happens sometimes. Maybe you made a decision, you got baptized, and you died to your old self. And it's really easy to mourn our old selves. <laughs> right? It's really easy to go, man, you know what? I, my old self, it was different, and things were better, and things were funner, or things were this. I mean, those things happen. Uh, you know, in Exodus, in the book of Exodus, the, the, the Israelites did that 14 times after they came out of Egypt. They complained, a recorded 14 times. And God had to remind them, y'all aren't Egyptians. <laughs> y'all aren't Egyptians. Stop complaining. Okay, we got to remind ourselves of that, but we can't when our eyes aren't fixed on Jesus. We can't hear him say that. But hold on, your old you is not you. Like I was serious when I told you I was going to raise you to new life. The old you is not you. You're not an Egyptian anymore. But we can't. And, and that may be one of those things. I mean, we may not be dying to ourselves. And, um, you know, when, we're, when, when, when we really aren't enduring, when we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus, we cannot love our brothers. Okay? There's an injury that we had in, in sports medicine. It was called the unhappy triad. Okay? And what that meant was there were three structures in your knee that all blew. Okay? Your ACL, your medial collateral ligament, your medial cartilage. Okay, and that was the unhappy triad, okay? There's an unhappy triad to this, too. Okay, here's what ends up coming out. When I'm the center, when I'm the hero, when I'm what I want, what everybody else, I want everyone else to know and to appreciate my story. I can't die to myself. I can't be resilient. I can't love my brothers. And here's what ends up happening. The unhappy triad is we become passive-aggressive. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You ever done that? Like, kind of like, I'm going to compliment you, you know, but then I'm going to do something to make you know that I'm not happy with you. All right? The classic case is like a child who uh, parents get a divorce, they get remarried, and every night at dinner, the child conveniently forgets to, to set the place setting for the new dad. Passive aggressive. And, and then when they approach the little girl, she goes, oh, I just forgot. Now, I love him, but I can't believe I keep forgetting to put his plate out. When every night she's going, I'm not putting your plate out because you're a jerk. But I'm going to be so sweet about it. This comes into the church. This happens in the church. You want to know why? Because, man, it, it's, it, it helps us kind of uh, feel uh, justified. It's not, but I'm just being sweet. God, you know, bless their soul. <laughs> right? Bless your soul. You know, poor Patrick. You know, he confessed all that uh, rotten sin to me the other day and you know, I don't even think he's trying that hard, but I love him. <laughs> that was pretty. That was that was pretty low right there, right? I mean, you say it, you're like, man, Keith really loves Patrick. I don't know. I think I just threw him under the bus, <laughs> right? This happens. This is part of the unhappy triad. When we're the center of our story, you know what? All of a sudden, it's like, okay, I know I can't lash out at you, but I can be passive aggressive. I sure can do that. Okay. Mind reading. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Riley's like, I gave that up years ago. 
I know what you're thinking. I know why you did what you did. Okay, we can't love one another. And, and this is, all happens, man, when I'm the center and the hero of my story, all of a sudden I have omnip, uh, omnipotent power, right? I'm, I'm all powerful. I know what you're thinking because I'm the center of my story. And here's a favorite of mine. I personalize everything. Like, have you ever done that before? Like you personalize everything? Like somebody says something to you? You ever done that before? Hey, somebody says something that has nothing to do with you? And you're like, oh, you know why they said that? Because they meant for me to be upset about that. You know, they did that because, and, and then you go and talk to them and they're like, I wasn't even thinking about you. But you know what? When I'm the center of my story, and I'm the hero of my story, and I'm the bubble boy walking around with all of these demands on everybody in order to have a great relationship, then certainly everything is personal. And that makes me angry. Okay? It's we just aren't able to love well. There's a lot to that. Hebrews 12. Here's what I would really encourage you to do. Meditate on Hebrews 12. Just that first four verses right there. Is go back and meditate because what is he asking? This is what we get lost in as well. Because we think, is he asking me just to be more uh, monk like? Is he asking me to be more like have a quieter, quiet time? Is he asking me to have a different kind of prayer life? No, he's asking you to do the ministry of Jesus. He's asking us to do that. That's like what we leave with is we love well in order to do the ministry of Jesus, not just to love well. We, we, we abandon the center of the story, not just so things can go better for us. Things may go worse for us. But that's the only way we go do the ministry of Jesus. That's the only way we go out and actually proclaim the gospel. That's the only way. The only way we're going to do that, and we have to start thinking about it, is... How many times have I even offered somebody, hey, come to my home, come to my church on Sunday, come to my family group? How often in a week does that happen? It's hard to do the ministry of Jesus if we're not talking to anyone. It's hard to do the ministry. It's hard to say my eyes are fixed on Jesus if I'm never welcoming and warm for people to come and join. It's really hard to do that. And chances are, if we are the center of our story and the hero of our story, that we aren't really even thinking on a day-to-day basis, you know what? God is putting people in my life, just like Murphy shared. Wow, God is just putting all kinds of people in my life, okay? And the most, really the truth of the matter is, is, is the most polite thing I can do is the very least invite you to come and be with me, all right? Have you ever had anybody just show up and walk in your house and eat dinner with you? No, I don't mean a disciple, I mean just somebody in your neighborhood that you didn't know and you weren't expecting that just walked in. That doesn't happen often. That, doesn't, that would be strange. I mean, if, that doesn't happen very often. If you're just sitting there and you're eating dinner and somebody just walks in, you're like, who is that guy? Sits down, starts eating. Okay? But you know what has happened often? Is you've been warm and welcoming enough to say, come over to my home and let me cook you a meal. Most people don't invite themselves. Most people don't just go, hey, you know what? I'm just going to wander on in somewhere, okay? Is what is it that we're being asked to do is to go and do the ministry of Jesus. That's what the ultimate end game is here. Is remembering because all of Hebrews is about one thing, Jesus. That's it. 
Okay? And so that can be our only solution is, hold on a minute. Have I done that? Have I, as Paul said, planted and watered every day? Every single day, am I doing that?